0: Worship and give praise this morning to the God above.
1: go With power and fighting our battle And every knee will bow before Him And our God is the
2: Lamb
1: The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chain And every knee will bow before the lion and the And every knee will bow before Him
0: And glory to the lion and the lamb who sacrificed his life for us that we can know eternal life in a full and gracious love of God above. So let's continue to give glory and praise to how great our God is this morning and how great he will ever be. get what we're trying to say here today with the first song being how great is our God and then how great thou art what he has done and what he continues to do for his greatness that he gives to us that overflows with that love and mercy and it seems like we just can't hold enough of it because he continues to give it and what a wonderful and beautiful name is the name of Jesus and God who gives us everything that we need let's continue to worship and pray this morning
1: What a wonderful name
3: Powerful name. As Chris and them continue to to play, the altar is open for you. If there's the need, or if you just simply feel the presence of the Spirit, and it says move, and you want to move to the altar, the day is the time is open now. Good to see Dean with us today, recovering. Father, we do call to you right now. God, I pray your Lord that you would be with each one, God, right now that's here at this altar. God, your Holy Spirit is present and mighty and strong and here today. And God, I pray your Lord that we would give him free reign to continue to move in and out of our hearts and our lives. But God, that in this movement, your Lord, that he is, God, that he is moving us to action. And God, I prayed, Your Lord, that You will continue to be in that, God, that You would help us, Your Lord, that You would give us the courage, dear Lord, to to step forward. God, I prayed, Your Lord, that You would again be with these. God, I pray that You would be with Wayne physically. God, I pray that You would go and be with his wife, Bobby, right now. God, that You would uh, you know strengthen her and that You would cur- encourage her, Your Lord, today. God, I thank You for Sarah being here. God, I pray that You would be with Sarah. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, again, that you would be with Dean. God, that you would continue to strengthen him, dear Lord, as he is recovering from those surgery. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your hand being with him and being with those doctors. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would be with Terry. God, that you would answer her call and her cry upon you, you know, to you right now, dear Heavenly Father. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. Because we know who you are, and God, and we know what you have done and what you have given us. But, God, we also know that you are the one that is still to come. And, God, that we praise you and we lift you up. God, your name is above every name. The names that have been given and the names that will ever be given. Your name, Jesus Christ, is above all. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to call upon that name. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I can have the ushers to go ahead and to make their way forward.
1: And crucified Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You rose in glorious light Forever seated high I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son virgin birth I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again for I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again.
3: our praise team does take request. (laughs) Oh man, it is good to be here in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I have been anticipating uh, the service and the message today. Uh, We are, we're not traveling very far in the scripture I would like for you to turn to Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter 1, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 18. So those of you that are keeping up, last week we went from 17 to 23. So this week we're going to go from 18 to 23. I want us to think and look in this particular passage of Scripture, there's some words that are in here and some things that Paul really needs for us to understand. Verse 18 starts off with, I pray. So in Paul's prayer, he is going to go and he's going to come to this point and he's going to say, now, I pray for this and he says I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people So whenever we see this there's some words or things here I want us to see because Paul is praying that our hearts would be would be enlightened now for us to see this we have to understand that in these particular times and days the heart would be the part of the body or the anatomy that they would look at and they would consider this is where our emotions come from that's why we say follow your heart that's the emotions of us and that we are supposed to Follow the emotions or we follow the heart. Paul is not telling us that we need to follow the heart because the heart of human beings are corrupt since the fall of Adam and Eve. So if we followed the desire of our hearts, we are going to follow a fleshly desire, which is the opposite from what God desires for us. So that is why he is telling us that he wants to enlighten our heart. He wants to give us an understanding as far as what God really has for people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 11 through 13, Paul says a lot of things and we've got this and it says, uh, you know, that we, Paul is, is giving us and telling them That their hearts are so full, or not necessarily full, but the problem with the Corinthian church is is that they're following their heart instead of following the word of God, and their heart is distorting what the word of God is supposed to be telling them, or what the word of God is telling them. It says, we freely have spoken, or we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, to open wide your hearts or we, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As far as. As fair exchange, I speak as to a child. Open wide your heart. See, Paul is speaking to them, right? He's speaking openly and plainly to them what they need and what is supposed to happen. But they are keeping away. They are keeping the words that Paul is saying away from their influence or away from influencing them because they are following the words of their heart. Luke chapter 24, verses 31 through 32. It says, Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? That's the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. So whenever we see and we get this, our hearts need to be enlightened as in we need to open up And allow the Holy Spirit to give us the knowledge that God needs for us to have. There are things in our walks, there's things in our lives that as believers and as Christians that sometimes we get them confused and we think that we're doing what God really wants for us to do whenever we're only following the desires of our hearts. Thank you. We do this and we can see this whenever we begin or we start something within the church. And then it becomes a program instead of a ministry. Right? It turns into a program because we're following the desires of our heart. That we really do want to help people, but we want to help people in the manner that we want to help them. Instead of the manner that God wants to help them, or even in the manner that the people need help. How many of you have ever given a sandwich or some food to a homeless person? Anybody? Y'all have done that? Good, good. Good. I have a story from a gentleman that was in uh, Dallas, Texas, and he came out of this, uh, you know, subway, I think it was, it was a sandwich, a deli shop, uh, you know, and he came out of the deli shop and he had half of a sandwich that he had specifically purchased so that he could give to the homeless guy that was right outside the, the restaurant. So he goes right outside the restaurant, okay, and he hands the homeless guy the sandwich, The homeless guy gets up, he kind of nods his head like, thank you. Homeless guy gets up and starts walking away and then throws the sandwich in the trash can. The man was, he was was irate, he's like, I just gave him that sandwich for him to eat and he's going to go and throw it away. So he follows the guy and he asks the guy, he says, why did you throw the sandwich away? You're hungry, right? You're homeless, right? You need something to eat, right? He's like, yes, I do. He said, but I'm a diabetic. And if I would have eaten the sandwich that you just gave me, I could have went into a coma. See, we want to help people the way that we want to help them, not the way they need to be helped. Therefore, we are following the desires of our heart because our heart really is to helping people. But we need to do it in the manner that God has enlightened us and called us to do. Wow. See, Paul, in dealing with this heart of enlightenment, says, stop following your desires. Stop following what you think is right. Right and follow what the holy spirit is leading you and guiding you and directing you to do now there's there's hundreds of people thousands of people that whenever they got up this morning the holy spirit and their conscience said you need to go to church today But they're not here. Because they wanted to follow the desires of their heart. And they said, you know, this is the only day I have off. So I'm going to rest. Well, you can take a nap after you eat lunch. You come and spend time with God. Now also, I used a word in there that we often don't really realize and we we don't follow and we don't understand. But God has put a moral compass within each and every one of us and it's a conscience. And if we continue to ignore our conscience, then our conscience will become seared and it will begin to only think that what we do is okay. Now let me bring into this Because an alcoholic didn't take a drink today thinking he was going to turn into an alcoholic. A drug addict didn't take the pill today thinking that he was going to become a drug addict. But he took it once. He drank it once. And his conscience then begins to say, you know that was wrong. He's like, yeah, but it didn't really hurt anybody. So I'm okay. Right? So he takes it again. Conscience comes to him and says, Ah, you know that, you know that was really wrong. And we're like, no, yeah, but see, I've done it twice and I still haven't hurt anybody. I'm okay. I can quit whenever I want to. Eventually, we're gonna stop hearing that conscience tell us that it's not any good. And we're gonna to begin to follow those desires thinking that they're okay. Right? My conscience isn't telling me it's bad anymore, so it must be okay for me to do it now. That's not it. Those people were distorting the word that Paul was giving them because they couldn't accept it as truth because they had what was in their heart. Their emotions were keeping them from... Truly understanding and doing what God had them to do. We, we do it today. So then Paul goes in and he continues in this prayer. And he gives us something that we can hang on to. So that we can have enlightenment. So our heart can be enlightened. But so we can overcome the things of this world. And what is it? I gave it to you in your bulletin. The first thing that Paul gives us, we need to understand or be enlightened in the greatness of God's plan. Now, the greatness of God's plan, the first thing that we need to understand with this is is that this plan wasn't something that was just simply thrown together. Whenever Adam and Eve decided they were going to follow the serpent, they were going to follow Satan, and they were going to reject God, and they were going ahead and eat the fruit of of, uh, knowledge, good and evil, of knowledge and sin entered into the world at that point in time God didn't say oh my goodness now I have to come up with a plan on how to redeem these people right he came up with the plan way before he ever began to even manipulate and to begin to organize and to being to bring together the world that he created his plan was already in place he already knew that his son Jesus Christ was going to have to come to this earth and die for our sins. To be that perfect sacrifice so that we would be able to have a right relationship with God. He knew he was going to have to do that. The greatness of his plan. The fact is, is that absolutely no one other than God could have performed this plan. The greatness of God's plan is is that it's for everybody. It's not just for a few. It's not for the ones that say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, properly. It's for every single person that was ever created or ever will be created. This plan of redemption was even for the world that he created. It was for the animals that he created. The greatness and the vastness of his plan is for you and I. But how great is it? It says that we are what? His inheritance. Wait a minute. I think you're, you're falling off here a little bit. We are His inheritance. The people that believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are God's inheritance. Now that also gives us something else. I want you to think about this. This plan is for only those that believe in Him. Now if you don't believe in Him, then there's no salvation for you. He doesn't judge you. He has offered the plan. And therefore, if you don't receive the plan or accept the plan, then you have rejected it and you have judged yourself. The greatness of God's plan. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But all... Who have believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I need to reread that for you. But all but to all who believe him and accept him, he has given the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or pain, but a birth that comes from God. The greatness of God's plan is that He is here to redeem us all. In John chapter 5, 22 through 24, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Whoo! Hallelujah! Amen! That's His plan. It's to redeem us. But we have to understand, for something to be redeemed means that it was broken. You can't redeem something that's not broken. We are all broken, and we all need to be redeemed. But then we also see in His greatness, and in the greatness of His plan, there is forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon them. Mm. I don't know, but man, these are speaking words to me. See, not only did he think of this plan before he created anything, but look at the depth of it. Look at the intricate details of it. Look at the fact that he, he did it for us. This is a God that doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything to exist. But He created us because He loves us. And because He loves us, His great plan is fulfilled. Ooh, and and I like this last one here. The greatness of God's plan is shown in the seal and pledge of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Did you get it? The seal and the pledge of the Holy Spirit on our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple? Of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom have you received from God? You are not your own. In Ephesians, it says that we're marked and sealed. Jesus talks to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is going to put on them a mark. So that they would be known. A mark. The Holy Spirit. We are known because of our love for one another, right? We are known because the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, directing us. We live a different life from everybody else on this world, in this planet. We should. But I want to give you this. I want you to see and I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ is in heaven. Holy Spirit is on this earth moving around and and orchestrating things and living within us. And guiding us and directing us. And whenever Jesus looks down, it says that there will be a mark. And he will know who's his and whose is not his. There's a song that's out. There's going to be scars in heaven, but the scars that's in heaven will not be on you or me. will be the scars of Jesus Christ, of the crucifixion. Pastor John's understanding of the mark. Is that as we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we have crucified ourselves to Christ, right? We have given ourselves as a living sacrifice. I want you to see this as a living sacrifice. So in other words, whenever I sacrifice or whenever I give up myself, that doesn't mean that I stop living, It just means that I begin to live through Jesus Christ. I sacrifice myself. I crucify myself. Therefore, the mark that we have on us that Jesus Christ can see is the marks from the crucifixion. Because we have crucified ourselves. We are marked so that Jesus Christ Knows who we are. We are His. We are children of God. That is marked by the crucifixion of the one that lives within us. It's a mark not for other people to see. It's not a mark that we go around and we... Tell our fellow believers or even the non-believers, look at the marks that I have. I have crucified myself to Christ. They don't, they don't care about the mark. The mark is for Christ. And we see this. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 through 20. I want to read this because this is where Paul tells us. It says, and in his... I'm so I'm going to read this. This is Paul's next statement to us. And his incomparable great power for us who believes. The power is the same... As the mighty strength he extended or he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So Paul has given us here the next thing that we have in his greatness is his uncomparable power. I want you to think and see, because in the next passage of Scripture. And following through that, he gives us this. He gives us four different synonyms for the word power. So the first that we have is that we understand that God has great power, and the power that is used here would be dist- or would would be a, as translated as dominion. Okay that he has power over or he has dominion over all things. The power is only for the Christians or for believers and for us that it gives us the strength that we are supposed to have within us. God's power is given to believers, not to the unbelievers. This power that he gives to us is not a mystical experience. It's not a second blessing. It's not just simply a work of grace. This power that we have is a saving power that we all receive through God or because of God's grace for us that we have all of His power. And that power that we receive ensures. I want you to hear, it ensures our eternity with Him. If He didn't have the power to raise Jesus Christ from the grave, then He doesn't have the power to, live, to, raise, to rise, raise us from the grave. If His power is for everyone, then even the sinners will be able to be with us in heaven. But we know that sin will not enter into heaven. The power is our eternal hope. That power, wow, that power should energize us. As in the next word that he uses as far as works. Is more and less of an energy. It it energizes you and I to be able to do the work that He has for us here. Now, I am going to bring in a passage of scripture, a part of this scripture, to help us with this for a little bit, but I am not going to stay on it long right now. And it deals with Him being the head of the church, but Paul also tells us that He is the body of the church. Okay, not only the head but the body of the church. But now let's look at this as far as the work. He is the head of the church and we have his power that is in us so that we can do the work that the church is supposed to do. And the work that the church is supposed to be doing right now is glorifying God and reconciling the lost unto Jesus Christ. Right? So the power that he has gives us the ability, the work, the energy to be able to perform and do the things that we're supposed to do as individuals, but also as the body of Christ. If the church is not glorifying God and leading the lost and helping to reconcile the lost, then the church is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we know from Revelations and dealing with the five churches that if we don't repent from not doing what we're supposed to be doing, then He will remove us from the lampstand. From amongst the lampstands. Now what's that telling us? It's telling us, Rock Hill First Church in the Nazarene, if you're not doing what I'm called you to do, if you are not glorifying my name, if you are not reconciling the lost unto me, I will remove you from amongst the lampstands. Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene will become nothing but a memory. Somebody else will come in and buy the building and change the name. And we'll forget all about Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene. If we're not doing the work that God has called us to do. Oh, the power that He gives us. Paul also goes in and says that it is His strength, or it is our strength that we receive from Him. We will mount up on, on yeah, we will mount up on the eagle's wings. Yeah, not Pastor Don's paraphrase, but you got it. See, Paul gives us this because he knows that the battle that we're facing and that we will be facing will be a long battle. But we must endure to the end. And he gives us the strength to be able to endure to the end. That is the greatness of his power. Oh, and then we have the word might. It deals with this part as far as us having the power to be able to carry something or to be able to uh, um, indel or, or to dwell This word right here gives us that sometimes whenever we pray that we're praying for wrong things. I wrote a couple of these things down. I said we should not pray for the power of evangelism. We shouldn't pray for the power to witness for the gospel in itself is the power of God. Do you see it? So so we shouldn't pray that God give me the power to witness. We should pray that God give me the boldness to speak it, but not the power because we already have that power. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, The gospel itself is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We shouldn't pray for the power to endure suffering. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Nor should we pray for the power to do God's will. Look at Philippians 2, verse 13. We shouldn't pray for the power to do God's will. We should just simply pray, God, show me where you're at work and then I'll help you out. Because of His greatness and the greatness of His power. (laughs) This power is unlimited. This power is never ending. This power will go on forever and ever and ever. This power that He has has the power to raise someone from the dead. This power has the power to free someone from the bondage of sin. This power has the power to sit Jesus Christ on the throne Not just above, but far beyond, above. Ephesians chapter chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. I'm almost done. Far above all rulers and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet, and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. I don't think y'all got that. That should be a whole lot of amens and hallelujahs and glories in that right there. He's not just above things. He's far above things. He's far above all things. He's far above all dominion. He's far above all power and all authority. There's absolutely no one that is, that is above Him. There is no name that is above His name. In the years past, the years to come, there will be no name ever spoken any greater than the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Woo! It is the greatness of who He is. I don't think we understand this. It is the greatness as in who He is. In other words, the problem that we're facing today, He's greater than it is. Mm. But the words that Paul gave him. For those in those days would have said, man, that's really great. The angels. He's talking about the angels of heaven. Paul says, no. He's above the angels. Oh, golly. Hold on to your seat because if he's above the angels. If he's above the good and righteous angels that are still in heaven doing God's work then that means he's above the angels that God has cast out from heaven, right? That means he's above Satan that God has cast out from heaven, right? That means that every struggle that we have that is created because of Satan in this world, he is above all of those. There is absolutely nothing that can be done to either one of us that we do not have the power within us to rebuke. I want you to get it. Now I want you to show, I want to show you how you get it. Because see, he's the head of the church. But it also says that he is the body of the church and he fills the church. The way that he does that is, is because whenever we think and we say that Jesus Christ is living in me, Jesus Christ is living in me, but I'm living in him he says that I live in the Father and the Father lives in me and if I live in the Father and you live in me then you live in me and I live in you and you live in the Father. I'm not trying to make a riddle here. I'm trying to get you to understand that Jesus Christ, the one that's far above all things, the one that's above Satan, the one that's above the good angels, the bad angels, across this worldly system, He is living in us. And we are living in Him. And because we're living in Him, we have power over everything on this earth. There is not a struggle that we will ever face That we do not have power to rebuke Satan in that trouble. There is absolutely nothing that we have that God cannot handle or take from us. And see our hope. Our eternal hope. Is in that greatness. Is in that greatness that made the plan for me to know him as my Lord and Savior. That sent his son to die on this cross so that I would be able to live and to be able to have a relationship with him, God Almighty. His greatness gives me the power to overcome all things, gives me the authority. I have the authority because I'm a child of his. I'm a child of God. Satan has nothing. Satan knows he's fighting a losing battle. He knows he is. But I have the authority over Satan. I have the authority to say no. I am no longer bound by sin. I am no longer bound by the things of this world. (laughs) My joy and my happiness doesn't come from earthly things. It comes from my heavenly Father. (laughs) Yes, ladies, gentlemen, we need to understand this. We as believers need to quit living a defeated life. Because we have the victor living in us. And we're living in Him. But I want you to see this. I want you to see something else real quick here. There is still a part of Jesus Christ that's incomplete. Do you know what that is? It's me and you. We make Him complete by our faith and trust in Him. We, the body of Christ, we as individuals, we make Him complete whenever we trust Him. Whenever we understand the greatness of His plan, whenever we understand the greatness of His power, and whenever we understand the greatness of His person, who He is and what He has done for us, we complete Him. We're His inheritance. I'm going to ask Chris to come into play. We need to to get this. We need to fall before Him. We need to fall before God Almighty on our knees this morning and receive His His greatness and His plan to receive the greatness in His power and to receive the greatness in His person because of who He is. We should not leave this place the same We have the authority if we claim it, if we believe it. There's too many of us that are Sunday morning Christians that have the power of God whenever I come to church, but I don't have the power of God whenever I'm out in the world. We've got to believe it. We've got to believe that His plan is greater than this. His plan is for us to live in His power and in His hope for eternity. The eternity that starts the moment that we ask Him into our hearts is our Lord and Savior, Jesus. I ask that everyone would stand. every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need God's greatness today, the altar is open. If you need the greatness of that salvation, He's here. It's freely given to you. If you want a truer understanding of the greatness of His power, the altar is open. Allow Him to fill you with that power. Stop thinking of the ways of the world, but let Him enlighten your heart. So that you can understand the power that he has for you. If you need to understand the greatness of who Jesus is. The altar is open for you this morning. Are there any others? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for, for the words that you have given to us. God, I thank you for each one that has made their way to the altar. God, those that have prayed where they are. God, I pray, to Lord, that you would speak mightily to them throughout this week. God, I pray, to Lord, that this is a message that would resonate in their hearts and their minds and thoughts throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.